What's up, everybody? My name is Josh Biddick, and I am a Kind of Funny best friend. Right now, Kind of Funny is doing their up-and-comer opportunity once again, where you best friends get to vote on someone in that community you think deserves a shot to work with the Kind of Funny crew for one week and gain a wealth of experience. We have an amazingly talented community with a ton of people campaigning to be this year's up-and-comer. I want to sit down with them and get to know them a bit better to share their stories. That way you feel more comfortable when making your vote for the next up-and-comer. Right now, I am sitting down with one such prospect whose work you may have read on Dual Shockers, whose work you may have listened to with the beautiful podcast, the Comfort Food Podcast, and a smile that lights up any room he walks in. I am talking about the one and only Charles Wackles. Charlie, I already asked you. I called you Charles. I don't know why. It felt so much more professional, but we're going to be calling you Charlie from now on. Charlie, how the hell are you doing? I'm doing pretty great, Josh. I'm doing pretty great. How about yourself? I can't complain, my friend. It has been uh, a wonderful week, all things considered. I've uh, been working my, three, w- working my way through... Excuse me while I choke on my own tongue. Uh, the Last of Us 2, I think I got like oh, three nice. more hours, so How that's been you? good. Uh, we are, so, no, I'm trying to think. Well, I, I guess we'll be in spoiler safety. I am on a Seattle day three, is okay. how I will okay. phrase cool, cool. that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I think, I think we, I, me and my girlfriend have been playing it together, and I think we've nice. got about probably like two and a half to three hours left so the goal is to finish Mm. that today because i've also been playing ghost of tsushima and it's very hard to manage control (laughs) schemes when you're swapping between two different stealth s games yeah so um i saw i think it was gene park from a launcher talking about this on twitter but he was talking about how he kept hitting his horse in a ghost of tsushima yep (laughs) the number of times i've busted through people's doors because i was just like (laughs) oh let me go oh shit shit wrong button (laughs) Yeah, I'm. I've only played like two hours of Ghost so far since I'm, I'm uh, occupied with a with a review for a different game. But I've yeah, I've in my like two hours of playing, I've I've hit Ka- poor Kage like three or four times already. So many times, <laughs> I feel every time I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I was just trying to mount you, not kill you. <laughs> right. So Charlie, if someone has not read anything you've wrote or heard what you do or seen you at all, uh, can you give us a quick pitch on yourself? So I. I'm kind of a, a content jack of all trades, if that makes sense. Um, totally and does. I would I would argue master of maybe one or two. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've been doing YouTube since I was 15, back in 2015. Um, okay. I've been streaming on first YouTube, and then recently I moved to Twitch since mm-hmm. like 2017. Um, and in between now and then, I've also started playing competitive Smash, so I've gotten cool. kind of involved in that community. Uh, I've started college uh, studying journalism, so I also started writing for some gaming websites. And then on top of that, just a couple months ago, I started a new podcast called Comfort Food, where um, the elevator pitch for that is basically just I sit down with one, two, maybe three people and talk about a piece of art or media that they love, that they have a positive memory with, that they hold dear to them, and then kind of... um, talk to them about their memories, talk to them about any kind of, like, literally anything about the that work of art, and then also draw from, like, audience experiences. Um, and that's that's kind of my, I wouldn't say passion project, but I've had that kind of in the works for, like, I, I've, I've been brainstorming that for so long, like, probably at least a year at this point. And I think, you know, coronavirus hitting was, like, a perfect catalyst for that. Everyone wants to, like, escape into their favorite stuff, so... 
for sure. I was say we've got a whole lot breaking down there. You were not kidding. <laughs> uh, and as I was looking up, you do a ton of stuff, which is fantastic because it gives us a whole lot of wonderful talking points. Uh, Charlie, where did your content creation journey start? Did it start with like following Greg Miller, watching Kind of Funny, or was it just something you always kind of loved doing? So my my journey with, with Kind of Funny and with content creation is the funniest, weirdest thing. Um, I started I started creating content in when I was like a sophomore in high school in 2015 um, because my friend, my, my good friend, my, like my one of my oldest friends, my best friend, Hayden H. Dan, uh, he um, he started a YouTube channel and he was talking about how much he liked it and stuff. And obviously we we're both we we're both like really young. So we, we don't really fully understand like the implications of it and everything. And we were like, right. Uh, we were like, and also we weren't fully self-aware of like maybe the quality of our content. But he was like, oh, my God, my video is so good and stuff. And I was at the time, not only was I a massive Nintendo fanboy. I, I still am, but you know the 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 kind of a toxic, more of a toxic fanboy. And uh, I was collecting amiibo at the time, and <laughs> this video is still up on my channel. But I think um, the for the the week that Super Mario Maker released, a ton of amiibo came out too, and a bunch of them were also restocked at my t local Toys R Us. And so I went on a, a shopping spree. And I bought just, like, a shitload of Amiibo, and I unboxed them all for my first video, and, like, the camera is, like, the angle's super bad, it's, like, you can see up to my chin, um, <laughs> and, like, the aspect ratio is, like, a square, so it looks super out of place on YouTube, especially in 2015, so the whole, the whole thing was, like, not great, <laughs> but that's, that's kind of where I got my start with content creation. Was it... I mean, did you instantly feel that kind of like, whoa, like there's a rush here. Like I love doing this. Were you getting those views or was it more so finding that you love the process of making it? I, at first it was just that I enjoy the process of making it. I mean, firstly, you know, a one camera unboxing video is not really something that people enjoy watching. You know, when you do unboxings that people love the, the panning, the, like the camera coming in from above, from the sides and all that stuff. And Obviously, again, I was using my mom's camera, so uh, right. so I only I only had that one camera, so I only had I, I, the production value wasn't really there, so and that's so important for unboxings. So I was not getting the views, um, and for the longest time, I think for probably the first at least two two and a half years that I was doing YouTube, I made almost no leeway. Basically, I got my first fifty subs or so from people I knew, and. After that, you know, like people talked about it at school, but it was mostly a joke. Um, not necessarily people making fun of me because I was I was laughing at it too because I was like becoming more and more self aware of kind of like what was happening with the content and the direction of YouTube as a whole, and um, and then I started streaming, and that's kind of that's kind of what really got its grips in me. And around the same time that I started streaming, I I realized that I wanted to study journalism and write about games, talk about games on a podcast, talk about games on a YouTube channel, what have you. Um, and that was, uh, that was kind of inspired by, sorry, this is like, this is like going in completely random directions, but totally good. Um, that was inspired by a few things. Firstly, um, the first thing I'd ever written in school that got not just a good grade, but legitimate praise. That was like, uh, an analysis of a book that we read from an English class. And that was like kind of Around that same time, we also read. Oh, uh, we read, we read uh, Roger Ebert's review of Star Wars, and those two things were like, it it kind of hit at the perfect time because around this this time, this was like, when I don't know if you remember this or I don't know if you were following this closely, but before the Nintendo Switch was revealed, 
when it was Codename NX, um, there were there was a there was a cycle from like mid to early twenty sixteen all the way through like actually even before that. Yeah, yeah, no, like mid to early twenty sixteen all the way through when it was revealed in October and even after that, where the rumors were just like every single day new patent leaks, new leaks for titles, new leaks for trademarks, all that stuff, and so much of it was true, and so much of it was worth reporting on, and that was kind of the thing that got me to realize that, oh, I'm in the know more than anyone else that I I sit with at lunch or whatever, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I was informing all my friends who are also pretty big, you know, they play a lot of games, they're pretty big gamers, not all of them are as big Nintendo fans as I was, and... So, you know, I'm filling them in. I'm like, guys, I think Nintendo, the Nintendo NX is going to be, like, a thing that you can plug into your TV and take on the go. <laughs> um, and just all, all this, all that sort of stuff was, like, like all hit at the same time. And I was like, oh, I want to do this. And it was also around that time that I started watching Up at Noon. Um, and it was, it was actually, I think it was right after Brian and Max had started back up after Greg, Greg had left. Okay. And through there, I found the comedy button, and that was actually where I first heard Greg on a podcast. Was um, wow, that's cool. Yeah, it was it was it was one of the it was it was kind of a weird timing, all things considered, because I had just missed uh, up at noon with Greg by like a couple months, I think, right? Because they left mm-hmm. in like twenty fifteen. Yeah, at that point. Right. Yeah, yeah. You're totally spot on. Um, and so I found out about Greg through that, and I think I listened to some kind of funny stuff, and then I. Or no, no, no. I listened to some kind of funny stuff, but I was I wasn't super into podcasts at that point. I was more into mm-hmm. like gaming YouTube, and obviously the kind of the the comedy button's not necessarily a gaming show, even though it's done by a right. bunch of games people. Um, and so cut to a year, a couple years later, uh, and Max Scoville of the Comedy Button and Up at Noon um, is on the NES podcast with Nate and Cam Koenig, and mm-hmm. uh, they were talk. They had blessing on. Uh, a f- little bit before he made it uh, as the kind of funny up-and-comer before, you know, they took him on full-time. And so my first KFGD, and I haven't missed one since, was uh, Blessing's first KFGD. That's really cool. That's <laughs> really, really cool. Yeah. So it was, it was kind of a... It, it's, it's the weird, like, word-of-mouth kind of thing that you see, like... Because around that time, I also started following the games industry more closely. You know, once I saw mm-hmm. Games Writer, Twitch Streamer, uh, KFBF content creator in general in someone's Twitter bio, in someone's Twitter bio, uh, I started following them on Twitter. You know, it was kind of like a weird, semi-aggressive networking thing that that also really got me involved <laughs> with the community. <laughs> of course, I mean, and, and I think, you know, it's everyone loves getting followers and i think a lot of things is you're right if i see uh kfbf in someone's bio it, it's a thing where it's like hey obviously right, i share right. something in common with this person if they follow enough it, at least it, my hope is that if they follow the community enough to put that in their bio they're one of the more positive fans and it's that positivity mm-hmm. i want to help spread yeah so i think that's a really cool idea you're talking about that uh, that marketing aspect yeah talking i mean talking about positivity specifically i know we talked about this a little bit before the show started but i think positivity like right now that, that's something that i've always been really focused on just as a mm-hmm. person um acting on social media I, I started getting really involved on twitter um posts uh, a lot of things that happen to make twitter toxic not just in the gaming space but um 
politically as well. I won't get too <laughs> too far into it, but like Fair. you know, Twitter Twitter became a very divided place. And um, if you if you see my timeline, my politics are pretty obvious. But I'll I'll leave it. A, it, it Twitter became very divided and very toxic in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and that's basically the entire time that I've had on Twitter. And my, and my mindset kind of approaching that was always, originally I started using it more as a way to connect with my friends from Smash that I made three months before moving to Chicago from Wisconsin, so I couldn't see them as much. Right. And so, you know, treating everyone that you interact with on Twitter as a friend, treating everyone that you interact with on Twitter as a, with respect, with love, hoping for the best for them, mm-hmm. has always been something that's like, kind of been in my DNA of using social media and I've tried my best. I know I haven't always done it to the best, best, uh, degree, but that's always been my best, like my, my main focus, at least for that platform. When I see someone talking about how they're not having a great day, when I see someone like, you know, um, go through, go through something, I I at least try my best to leave a positive message and a like on their, Mm -hmm. on their stuff, because even, even as small as that is, it can always, you know, it, it, it at least lets someone know that you're there. And I think that that, uh, that idea of positivity really extends to the kind of funny community right now. Like you said, uh, someone who's positive enough to stay around, someone who's paying attention enough to stay around, is also someone who isn't going to bully someone else in the community for, you know, for... Hmm, I don't know how to put this, but I, I think you can feel where I'm going where well, I mean for different views for not agreeing right. with one another I think you're right I think hopefully it's that sense of that making a conscious effort to be positive really helps out in the long run mm-hmm. it's being able to have an open mind and have that discussion where you can listen to someone and you don't necessarily have to agree with them but you can still be positive towards them like right. hey good for good for you for sharing your ideas things like that as long as they're not like you know hurting or attacking yeah. anyone or the person like having a bad day, like it takes it takes a lot for someone to actively say like, "Hey, I'm really struggling," um, or even ask for help. And to be that person, be like, "Hey, you're awesome," or "Hey, keep keep doing you." I think at least I'd, I'd like to believe those are the thoughts and those are the things that people can really hold on to. Yeah, I know the negativity is a lot easier too because <laughs> that's just the way the human mind is programmed. Right. Uh, but when you can do an overwhelming amount of positivity, I think it helps. Like when Laura Bailey tweeted out all those like insane heinous comments people were saying. Um, because of her portrayal as Abby in The Last of Us. It, it was ridiculous. Yeah. But to see all the other side of the fence, all the people promoting the positivity, saying how great she was, thank you for sharing and her work, and mm-hmm. then having her be like, oh, man, you know what? The positivity does strongly outweigh the negativity. It's, it's mm-hmm. something that's important and special and needs to be continued every day. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. And, I mean, you, you see it everywhere you look, especially in this community. Uh, first it was with The Last of Us, now it's with... Um, the kind of complaints about the not so subtle nationalism in Ghost of Tsushima mm-hmm. or the um you know the call for inclusivity and kind of funny content and I right. I also that's something that I did want to bring up and not necessarily use as a disclaimer but acknowledge at least that um I'm running for kind of funny up and comer but also I acknowledge that I'm a straight white cis man and I'm not a marginalized person in any way shape or form and I think right. you know that's it's important to acknowledge that Yes, I would love this opportunity, but also like, you know, it's it's important for kind of funny to include people who are mar- marginalized voices, and mm-hmm. I think you know, you saw the the few weeks or days where they had, um, you know, a, a bunch of people on who are marginalized voices for KFGD, 
especially. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I think that was a step in the right direction, but you know, uh, I think that there's still a long way to go. And if people are going to get mad at me, so be it. They probably are taking what I'm saying as harsh criticism when it's more of an encouragement. And I think that's that's what I'm trying to get to is that encouraging encouraging the good rather than discouraging what you think is a criticism is important to me. And I think, I think criticism has, criticism is not a bad word. You know what right. I mean? Like criti- criticism doesn't always mean negativity. It doesn't mean that you're faulting something. I, I think when you, cri- like the people who love something are a- the ones who are able to criticize it the most and hopefully for the better. Like I'm a huge Kingdom Hearts fan. I love Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts <laughs> 3, I loved it. But I can also say objectively, it's not good. Like, it feels great to play and everything, and I'm a huge fan. Am I going to buy that rhythm game? You bet your ass I'm going to buy that rhythm game. Um, because somehow it's going to be really important to whatever yep. Kingdom Hearts 4, the next big Kingdom Hearts game is. But I can objectively say, why did we watch the entire scene of Frozen uh, in the Frozen world? We watched Let It Go. We just watched the thing, and that sucked, and that was bad. And I can say that because I love it so much. And I don't really want to compare the plight of marginalized voices to Kingdom Hearts. That's not what I'm trying to do. But the, um, the idea of criticism versus negativity. I, 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 right. I, yeah, you no, know, I, like, I 100% you agree You should be that. able to say, like, hey, kind of funny, neat, like, like in, in the up-and-comer opportunity. And it's something I've thought a lot and, and, and struggled a little bit with this show. Because at the end of the day, a lot of guests are just straight white dudes yeah. who like <laughs> to talk about games. Um, I do my best to incorporate everyone and anyone who wants to be in because the goal of this is just to share voices for people who are doing really cool things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also recognize, you know, like, and so, some, if someone came to me and said, Hey, you need to have more people of color or more women on the show. I would understand. Yeah. I would not be upset. I would not be hurt. And I would recognize that. And I know, um, I, I, I personally feel kind of funny is making those steps and they're mm-hmm. open to that conversation. Yeah. The moment someone is to shut their ears off or say like, I'm not listening. That's the moment, you know, there's going to be no real growth there. Yeah. That was, that was the that was something that was really bothering me that um, I saw a lot of people, well, not a lot, but a, a few people, and I'm sure you saw the same people saying this, that mm. basically yeah. um, they're not doing their part to include people. I'm not going to listen, and I'm not going to be part of the community. And I think, well, I understand the frustration, especially because I know that that person's gotten a lot of hate. Their mm. partner has also gotten a decent amount of hate for saying these specific things, but... I understand the frustration, but, and it's hard to be around that, but also I think it's also, I think it's very important to, you know, that, that age old phrase that I feel like you can't hear enough of in 2020 is be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, that Gandhi guy was a very smart dude. <laughs> in, yeah. In many ways he, he had a lot of nuggets of wisdom, but he, yeah, I, I think that, that that idea that you have to be the change that you want to see in the world and that applies to something like this community. I think, you know, I, I only follow the good, the people that are positive, the people that aren't going to bully someone else for calling for that need for change mm. on social media. So I don't see it as often, but I'm never going to say it doesn't happen. Like, I've seen people in, in replies, like, um, I think it was a reply to Cam Hawkins one time. He was talking about, lack of inclusivity or need for diversity or whatever you want to call it. And someone said, well, if you look at the makeup of kind of funny, statistically, it's it's almost the same as the U.S. And I was like, there, firstly, there's no way that's true. Secondly, that's a really bad way of looking at it. Right. <laughs> and, and it's like, 
that kind of sorry I didn't I didn't mean to interrupt. No, 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 go. Where, no. where I was going with that was that 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 mindset is just as bad and as debilitating for marginalized voices and for that inclusion of people as just outright hatred or bigotry. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, whenever, whatever someone feels they need to do for themselves, as long as they're not hurting others, that is right, the, the big, right. big asterisk there, d- do. You know what I mean? Like, I understand right. that if people feel they need to, to leave the kind of funny community or if it's just them, or there's a lot of people I understand, and, and you kind of said that, are seeing that toxicity every day that I'm not. Yeah, and, I, right. and that I'm not having to deal with, and I recognize that. So if it's too much for you, there's no... I, I would never fault anyone for leaving. You <laughs> right, know what I mean? Right. Like, It'd be like, I'm sad to see you go, but you have to do what's good for you, especially when it comes to your mental health there. Um, and, and I would hope that people would just respect that and and then take that into consideration, take that into thought, and then try to create that environment where that person feels accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Because that's... that's I, I feel like that's where the kind of funny best friends started. And, you know, as any community grows, so too do the toxic people. I, I saw a tweet where someone like someone was like getting all up on last of us and someone just responded like, Hey, just curious. Did you play the game? And the person responded, no, I was just tra- trying to start shit. Like there are those people out there because unfortunately that's just how they feel good, which I think is a whole other no, thing in God. of itself. Yeah. But if we can just like, like you said, promote the positivity, kind of try to be uplifting and just listen. Just listen to what people are saying. Not everything requires a response. Sometimes right, no response right. is the best response. Yeah. And I think that's really hard, especially online when it just feels like it's a endless void of filling the, the silence. And yeah. I, 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 sorry, we, I, we've we gone so far into the weeds, I feel like. Um, but We have, but we're, <laughs> we're here, we're, we're buckled in, we're getting through it. I think, I think that need for a response is something that's so interesting. This is, this is like only very vaguely related, but that's, that's like, man, that, that's something that I've always felt super weird about with, um, especially with Twitter. And that's where a lot of this, this conversation is happening is mm-hmm. that need for like, oh, you see a reply to your tweet. You like the reply. Maybe you respond, but you feel the need to respond. Mm-hmm. I think that's such a, such an interesting like idea. Like I feel the need to respond to a lot of the things that are talking about it with like, oh, this, this, and this on top of what you said or, mm-hmm. and, and resisting that, that urge is something that I'm, you know, I'm trying my best to like work on because I know that my input isn't always necessary or valued. So <laughs> no, I, I, I get that. I, it's that thing of recognizing like, Hey, not that my opinion doesn't matter right now, but my opinion isn't the important. Right. One, it's not relevant. Know? Yeah. Right. Like there, there are other people's opinions who need to be heard rather than that of me, the straight white male. <laughs> yeah. Right. Who deals with no problems. Um, yeah. So, <laughs> Be good to each other, everyone. Like That's like right. the great leaders Bill and Ted said, be excellent to each other <laughs> and and party on. That's right. Uh, That's right. Yeah. So uh, Charlie, uh, <laughs> I guess focusing back on you, uh, you know, uh, I'm glad we did that. We, we went too. there. It was really good. Uh, and if we get back there, which I feel like we may, awesome, <laughs> awesome. Uh, so steering gear is a little bit. You. You have a pretty extensive history with video games, it seems, uh, from being that guy who was more more pro- plugged in, more programmed, to eventually going to streaming. I kind of wanted to ask, what was the jump that went from like the unboxing videos to starting streaming? Was it realizing that like, hey, like I love games, and this is also something I can kind of show out to the world? Well, I think for me it was a lot of things. Firstly, you know, my YouTube channel again, it wasn't going anywhere from 
when I started it back in like again 2015 2014 to when I started streaming in like late 20 I think it was I think my first stream was like August 1st 2017 um and between then in that two years I don't think I gained more than like 70 subscribers okay I'm like I saw no growth no progress and so at that point, I wasn't, re and obviously, you know, I'm looking at this as someone who's, you know, hit a thousand subs on YouTube, who's got a, a bunch of followers on Twitter, you know, started like, right. starting Twitch and everything. And I'm very much more concerned about the numbers now. But back then I was like, okay, that's, that's fine. But I was also, um, I also had a lot of time on my hands. Um, I don't know what it was in high school. I just didn't always have the motivation to like do my best or whatever and mm -hmm. um you don't see the big picture at that point you know right right and and so i was like you know i was i also just wanted to get a gaming pc for a ton of reasons you know um and so when i first got my pc um <laughs> i didn't use it for for gaming like ever i mm -hmm. i barely game on my pc to this day um and I started streaming on it, and that, that's that's a lot of what I use it for is like content creation stuff. Uh, Premiere, uh, well, not at the time Premiere, but uh, thankfully my school gives us all like Adobe Creative Cloud, so I can actually like oh, learn how to use awesome. good editors, which is so nice. It's so oh, awesome. Goodness. But um, so I started. I I just started streaming Smash because I played Smash in high school, especially. Um, you know, I'd bring my 3DS to school with me every day, mm -hmm. uh, especially before the Switch came out. I'd I'd uh. You know, I'd bring my 3DS and then eventually my Switch to school every day. Uh, Smash wasn't out when I was in high school, but on, on the Switch. But I played, you know, Smash 3DS with my friends after school. For sure. And, you know, we'd hide in our lockers and play it during lunchtime or whatever. <laughs> but, um, so I was super into it. Uh, I even, like, started a Smash Club at my school. Kind of guilted my awesome. dad, who was into being the faculty advisor for it. Nice. Um, so then, you know, I'm playing Smash all the time competitively. Well, competitive style i'm not like competing in tournaments and stuff because i couldn't drive so i couldn't really get out there but right but i was like i want to get better at this game i want to play it more and i want to stream it on youtube because i had made smash content before some really shitty montages from uh, smash <laughs> wii u um and eventually that kind of evolved into me wanting to stream smash and that's that's how streaming started and that's also kind of how my growth started on youtube i mean from the first stream that I did where and, and through like September of 2017 where I was like finally reaching that 100 subscriber goal to May of 2018 or wait not 2018 May of 2019 yeah May of last year where I was hitting a thousand subscribers on YouTube awesome and that's that's kind of like that's when I was like oh, yeah I, I, I want to do this in the long run um, mm -hmm. somewhere in between there is when I realized that all right. So while you're doing this, while you're streaming, while it's growing, while you're getting the subscribers, where does the writing come into play? Like, it, it seems like at, from that point, it's like, hey, I'm going to go balls to the wall with the streaming stuff. Mm -hmm. But obviously, you know, <laughs> you're doing journalism and things like that. Mm -hmm. Was that happening at the same time or yeah. was it like? Yeah, it, it definitely was. Um, for a long time, I wanted to, my dream job was to work at Nintendo um, as okay. like some kind of coder, developer, engineer localizer or whatever and uh actually again thanks to the comedy button partially and also partially to um to my own experiences uh studying coding through school uh i found out firstly that i hated coding and i sucked at it 
and also that the games industry, you know, uh, at, at the time, I, I'm not sure if you're, you listen to the comedy button at all, but, um, one of their longtime members of the, of the cast, Anthony Gallegos, he was, uh, he ended up working for a game developer and okay. they talked a lot about, um, you know, when he, when he wasn't able to show up, they're like, oh yeah, kids, if you want to work in video games, this is what it's really like. You got to spend a bunch of extra time in crunch or whatever. And obviously they didn't call it crunch back then, but right. it, it's that, that really, really scared me away. Cause I was like, I, I rec recognizing the, the ways the industry treats, uh, lower level employees and developers and stuff is, it's not always, uh, the best. <laughs> You're not the healthiest at times. No, definitely not. So I was like, Hmm. So what can I do if I want to work in video games, but I can't make them, I can't do art, so I can't draw and <laughs> I can't code. Oh, well, I mean, I'm a pretty good writer. Uh, I'm pretty good at language, you know, uh, I'm, I, I, uh, at this point in time, I was three years deep or no, four years deep into French and German. Well, four years deep into German and a lot more years deep into French and, mm -hmm. uh, that, that, that idea of, uh, being passionate and good with passionate about and good with languages is also, um, something that really helped me move, like realize that, Oh, maybe I should be writing and not doing uh, more scientific stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> mathematics stuff, I guess too. But, uh, and that's, that, that was kind of, um, you know, reading, reading all these different sites, Polygon, IGN, um, GameSpot, Kotaku, all these, you know, bigger gaming sites and watching YouTube, you know, seeing, seeing the different kinds of content people could create. That was, that was really, that was really when I knew that like, I don't know if it's my calling, but considering how, um, dedicated and much work and excited I am about this at, and I'm only 20 years old, um, mm -hmm. at this point. So I, I feel like I'm for a lot of reasons, but especially for like the amount of time I put into it at this point in my life, I feel like at this point, I can't go back. <laughs> yeah, no, I get you. Plus, you've made such great headway and progress. Like, you you have so many years to learn and continue to grow <laughs> on top of the growth you've already made. It's going to be really, really cool to see. Thank you. Of course. When did you do your first review, like your first written game review? Was it your side stuff or was it like a contract thing? It was actually for YouTube. Um, it was back in the early days of the Switch. I, I think actually, uh, I don't know if... I, I know, obviously, you listen to kind of funny content, but I don't know if you listen to PS I Love You XOXO uh, specifically, mm -hmm. but yep. one of the games that Greg played for the uh, 104 PlayStation games that they're, I think they're tweaking now is um, Kamiko. Okay. And uh, that's like kind of like a top-down, really like beautiful sprite work-based um, kind of Zelda-style game. And it was one of the first... It was, it was in that wave of games on the Switch that came out. And it, in the grand scheme of things, it's nothing amazing or special. I think the music and the visuals are, like, really good. but um, mm -hmm. And also the gameplay is really good, too. But in the grand scheme of things, it was nothing, like, ridiculously special. It wasn't something like, yeah. um, something like a Celeste or a Hollow Knight or anything like that. But it was still really good. And so because it was a $5 game out on the Switch early in its life cycle when it didn't have that many games... Um, it was, it was, you know, I picked it up and I was like, Hey, this is really good. I haven't seen or heard anyone talk about it. So I want to do a review for it. And that was, that was the first review I ever wrote. So I actually wrote it like a normal review. And then I just, you know, I, you know, stepped into the booth <laughs> and I, uh, <laughs> I recorded some voiceover for it, edited some footage for it for YouTube and, um, the rest was history. And 
I did that with a few other games. I tried to do it with the Doom 2016 port to Switch, uh, and I think I recorded that, like, probably seven or eight times, and every time I lost the footage and or the review. <laughs> um, so it wasn't after, meant to be. So then after that, I reviewed a game that's super important to me, Katamari Damacy, um, and I kind of filled a similar, oddly similar void in my heart to Doom. Um, but, yeah, that was that's, that's, that's probably the review that I remember writing that's, like... Obviously, Comico was was I'm proud of that review for a lot of reasons. It was my first review, uh, and I was never taught how to write a review traditionally. But mm-hmm. Katamari Damacy was my first. Was you know I still hadn't really learned much about how to write a review, but I had so much more passion that I put into that review um, from the editing of the video to the writing of it, and that's that's probably to this day like every time I apply for something that is one of the pieces that like I'll always include in the uh, job application is like, Hey, I wrote, edited, voiced and did everything for this. Do you, when you're making these reviews, are you doing it primarily just, just because like, Hey, you're picking games that speak passionately to you or is it like you're trying to stay up to date with the latest and greatest? It's entirely rooted in passion. Um, at least for my YouTube, sorry. (laughs) Um, you're good. It's at least, for my YouTube channel, it's entirely rooted in passion. Um, the reason that I did Doom and Katamari specifically is I, I get pretty depressed around Christmas time um, mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Um, but Doom and Katamari, bo- both in very, very different ways, uh, provided kind of a release and escape for me, um, you know, during kind of a hard time of the year. And whether it was being able to immerse myself fully with the, the amazing music sound design of both of those games and the, the really fun and in, again, in very different ways, comical, right. uh, loop of both of those games, I found myself, um, you know, really escaping into those. And that's, that's another, again, talking about things that I've written that I'm really proud of my, um, I took a reviewing the arts class in the first semester yeah first semester of my uh of of this last year of school um Mm -hmm. and our last one of one of the reviews that we were supposed to do i forget what it was for specifically i think it was like for like analyzing something within the context of another thing okay and I wrote, I wrote a paper called Christmas Won't Be Christmas Without Doom because Doom Eternal was supposed to come out holiday season of last year and it got delayed. Mm-hmm. And so I wrote about how, you know, firstly I wrote about kind of my origins with playing games around that time of year, specifically Doom around that time of year, and then, <clears throat> and then uh, kind of why I'd miss Doom so specifically um, around Christmas time. And that, that's that's another thing that I'm really proud of that I wrote because you know, um, as a journalism student, we're not encouraged to be very uh, personal. I mean, obviously, you know, in reviews, you're, you're supposed to editorialize, but you're not always encouraged to be very personal about the things that you write. And I, I, that's that's a change that I'm really appre- that I really appreciate about content, especially gaming content that's been happening recently, is um, not just giving your objective review because that's not the point of a review, but. Um, but also allowing to establish context, um, with emotion, like, like, or emotion or personal history or trauma or anything like that. Like we saw with people talking about, especially we saw it a lot with Ghost and Last of Us Part 2, especially recently, Mm -hmm. but. I love the fact that you talk about being able to put yourself in the review and the passion because, because you're right. Like in a lot of those courses you take, because I've taken, um, 
a couple of journalism classes back in the day. And it was, it was that like you are you are informing people, that's what the journalism journalist job is too. And in certain instances it needs to be very factual based and informed. So and both sides of whatever you're reporting on are fair. But like you said, in this medium specifically, I like that I, I like knowing if a like a, like if Jonathan Dornbush is reviewing a game, I know Jonathan and I have very similar tastes in games. Right. So I am going to respect his opinion on something. Because if someone else reviews it and they don't like it, like I get that. Um, uh, going back to Kingdom Hearts again, <laughs> Tim and I, we Tim and I both love Kingdom Hearts, but the reason Tim Geddes likes Kingdom Hearts is for the Disney stuff, where that's my some of my least favorite parts of it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? So being able to know the personality behind the review, and in your case, when they're so passion filled, it gets the reader that much more invested in what's yeah. going on, and I think that's a really cool thing to be able to do. Well, and I think um, in the context of kind of funny. Um, I, you know, my dad, my dad's an English teacher, uh, and he's not necessarily the most concise person when talking. And I have, (laughs) I have inherited that gene in a lot of ways. You can even tell my writing. It's like a lot of borderline run on sentences. Um, Mm. and that obviously that's bled into my discussion and the way I talk about games. Um, and I, I, I think that, you know, for the way that I talk about games, the way that I have things to say, not only because when I review and talk about games, I like to, because usually I'm, when, like, a friend asks me about a game, I'll use their understanding of another game to kind of help contextualize some of the things I'm saying. Which is Um, awesome. And, well, that's really good for something that's more long form where you can kind of, like, talk and, like, discuss with with that. I don't always think it's best for written short form Mm -hmm. reviews. And I think that that's, you know, that's something that I really like about the loop of reviewing it kind of funny. Obviously, I love writing and I'd never want to stop doing it um, mm-hmm. uh, just because of how much I enjoy it. But I also like the idea that a review is a discussion between people rather than a an article that's from a discussion between you and the game. Right. I think that's a really... And I think that's a really cool look to have on it because it offers different perspective and it allows you a little bit more freedom in what you're writing and i think that's apparent in the work that you do (laughs) thank you of course when writing all those reviews where does the opportunity to write for dual shockers come in is that kind of hey i saw this one review you did on your youtube channel we'd love for you to write for us or was that like an application process kind of deal it was an application process it was the weirdest thing um so it seems like i actually never mind i well I'm not 100% sure, but it seems like DualShockers kind of had a, a bit of a management change in the past year or so. I'm not 100% sure about that, but at yeah. least that's what it seems like. And so there were some places where, like, editors didn't know about specific job applications that were available. Oh, okay. Um, and so I was, uh, because at this point, I was kind of like, I don't, do you know about the website VG Journalism Jobs? Or video no, game journalism jobs.com. It's a website where a bunch of mostly smaller sites or smaller to large, like a, the biggest sites that post on there are Dual Shockers and Twinfinite. And mm. it's a site where gaming sites will say, hey, we want help with this job. Um, and then they'll say, like, is it paid? Perks that come with it. And then kind of a short description. And I'm sure at least one or two people who are listening to this like have experienced the same thing. It is one of it, it's both an amazing place and a terrible place at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, like you'll see you'll see job openings from like places like Twinfinite, places like Dual Shockers, but then 
Uh, I'm not going to name names partially because I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> but there will be there are also sites that will be like, we want to keep the politics out of video games. We're different. We meet in our Discord every morning and we talk about the news every day. And it just goes on. And it's like, okay, you guys are the same as every other website, but you're mad about something that's happened recently. <laughs> right. And it, it, it's... Um, and you see a lot of that, and you also see a lot of unpaid work for a lot of places. And that's something that, you know, I'm a college student. Um, I'm very worried about money very frequently, uh, sometimes when I don't have to be. But, you know, being paid for my work is increasingly important for me. And while I'm not paid for my work at Tool Shockers, I'm very happy with the job because it's... Um, it's like, it, I'm basically just doing my dream job and I, I, I really like it, you know, I really like the people that I work with and, well, I'm, I'm just realizing that I'm like not, I'm like going all the way around the question that you asked. You're good, you're good. This is, it's wonderful. Again, <laughs> all about you, Where I'm going to guide you wherever you take us is where we're going. But basically, um, you know, I'm, you know, I'm getting the opportunity to review embargoed games. I reviewed Bloodstained Curse of the Moon before it came out and now I'm reviewing Carrion before it comes out. Uh, that'll be out July 23rd. In six days, no, not wow. I cannot do math. Um, four days from the recording, but a way long time after. Right. Uh, Back in the day <laughs> when, when this comes out, right? Um, but yeah, no. So I applied for this job, and uh, well, actually, first I reached out to uh, Luke Contaldi, the editor in chief at Dual Shockers, because mm -hmm. I was on the website and I was like, I was on DualShockers.com/jobs, and there was an opening over there for, for just like a general staff writer. Yeah. And so I asked Lou via Twitter, I was like, hey, uh, is this legit? Is this still, like, a thing? Like, I haven't seen you guys post about this in a long time. And he was like, um, maybe. And around this time, I was also talking to um, Cam Hawkins in one of his Twitch streams when he was streaming a Paper Mario game. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was Paper Mario, and I was talking to him about that. And I was like, hey, I might be, because we met in a, um, in a, in, like, a community Zoom call that some Twinfinite people organized, actually. Um... That was actually where I first met Blessing too, but that that's you know, <laughs> completely completely unrelated. But we um, we were talking about that, and he was like, "Yeah, I'm not sure if we have any openings." And then um, you know, Lou gets back to me. He's like, "I think we have some openings." And then the editor that I've worked with the most, Logan Moore, also at Dual Shockers, mm -hmm. uh, a long time. Um, he he reached out to me and he was like, "Hey, uh, let's do an interview soon." And little did I know, I had already gotten the job. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah, because I, I sent in, obviously I sent in some writing samples and stuff uh, with, mm -hmm. with, you know, short cover letter resume kind of thing. Right. But I, I didn't know that I already gotten the job, and, you know, they bring me into the Discord, and next thing you know, I'm, you know, I'm doing all this stuff. I'm getting game codes. I'm getting embargoed trailers and stuff from the Stadia Connect that just That's happened, cool. all sorts of stuff like that. And it, it's, been, it's been so good. I, I'm, like... I've had so many holy shit I've made it moments in the past couple in I the bet, past like I month bet. or so, um, from you know getting my first embargoed review on Metacritic to um, to getting to interview the people who made Outcasters, which is a game that's going to be exclusive to Stadia, um, uh, before that game was revealed, and I got to see like a trailer and everything, and that was like oh my god, like it, it, it's cool. it's such a it's such a cool cool realization to have, and I, I it's been really reassuring as someone who um is pretty consistently worried about the logistics of success 
in uh, in this space. It's totally fair. It is is the goal to kind of keep chipping it away at dual shockers and, and maybe doing more like paid work, or is just kind of getting as much experience you can for whatever the next thing brings? Yeah, I think it's a bit of both, honestly. Um, right now, I I actually just got a call like two days ago from the editor of uh, Columbia, my 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 school, Columbia College Chicago's newspaper, uh, the Columbia Chronicle. And he was mm-hmm. like, because I had applied to be a either a podcast producer, social media person. I don't remember what the social media title was. Uh, an editor and a staff you. writer there. And um, he called me up and he was like, hey, we want to bring you on as a staff writer and you can help with podcast production. And um, so as things stand right now, uh, I'm going to do my best to do dual shockers, school, uh, full time, st- well, full time school, um, 20 hours a week. Well, 10 at the newspaper and then 10 at a different job. And then um, also keep up with, like, content creation on the side. But I'm also... Sounds like the content creator life. (laughs) Right, exactly. (laughs) And also, at the same time, I'm I'm also, like, doing some social media consulting for one of my teachers that I had last semester. So I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm like, again, like, I'm, I'm doing all sorts of weird kind of, like... I'm preparing myself for whatever next, whatever is next, but I'm also cheap. I, I also plan to, I think dual shockers is the dual shockers. And of course, like school, uh, are mm. the two like for sure constants in my life. I'm kind of on the fence, whether or not I want to do both dual shockers and the school newspaper. Cause I'll still be making right. the same amount of money because student labor laws are, <laughs> are a thing, but, I um, you. yeah. So, that's that's kind of that's kind of the direction my content's heading right now. Um, obviously, you know, I'm still going to be. I'm trying my best to stay consistent with comfort food too, and mm-hmm. I've been on and off with that recently, just because I was I was out of town and on vacation for two weeks, and mm-hmm. then um, I was still working, so I, I definitely could have still edited the the podcast together, but I I just didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, you need a break, you know what I mean? I mean, you're doing a whole lot of stuff, and burnout is a really big thing, especially yeah. when you're doing half as much stuff as you are. <laughs> So, you know, breaks are okay, and I think you, you got, I think part of the job is also affording yourself the ability to be like, hey, I don't have to make something, which right. is the hardest thing to do. Yeah, and I also, like, you know, going into that, feeling the need to monetize and be successful in every side thing that you do is such mm. a, is, is such a common thing, especially, again, in the gaming space, you know, uh, and it's something that I, I try that I definitely struggle with, but it but ultimately like I'm I'm still gonna be doing it no matter what. And I respect and I think it, you know, just because you take a week off, take a couple breaks, uh, for mental sanity for a vacation, or just because you don't have the time, uh, doesn't mean you give up. And I think I, I think that's okay. I think that it's all a balancing act, uh, especially when you have as many uh, balls <laughs> to juggle as you do. Uh, but I, I think you're doing a great job. Thank you. You you brought up comfort food, and we've talked about comfort food a little bit. Uh, do you want to kind of tell everyone what the comfort food podcast is? Because I think it is a yeah. wonderful idea. Yeah. So this is comfort food is probably like, obviously I was saying how proud I am of Katamari review and Doom review and everything. Um, comfort food might be the idea that I'm the proudest of. I don't remember exactly where it came from originally i think it came from a bunch of different places i heard people mention like oh people are going to their their junk food their comfort food medias in this time and then i was Mm. also hearing uh, i did a a podcast um right when uh all the pokemon designs leaked for sword and shield um like a a, a few days before the game came out and it was like you know all these like new pokemon that you've never seen and i've been pokemon was like platinum pokemon platinum is probably one of the reasons i'm here today 
<laughs> and uh, so I sat down with my friend Joey of the Jump and Shoot podcast, um, which was or, which used to be just a Mega Man podcast, but now it's just general gaming. And mm. we went through and we discussed every single Pokemon that leaked. That's awesome. <laughs> and, um, and he was talking about how, oh, we could, and we were also talking about the things we want to see in the game. And he was like, oh, we could like, you know, sit by a fire and wax nostalgic and stuff. And that was that, that idea of, you know, allowing yourself to get misty eyed and nostalgic for something that's been impactful, something that's been a source of joy in your life, mm -hmm. whether it's a game, a movie, a book, a, uh, an album, um, that's something that I really want to highlight because that that's one of the few times where uh, I it was it was also inspired by it's it's one of sorry it's one of the few times where you could be intimate in a gaming podcast I think okay um, and that intimacy was also something that I was looking for and that was inspired by uh, Jared Petty's Top One Hundred Games podcast because mm -hmm. I think um, that and then Pockets Full of Soup of course are both. You know, obviously, he's a very sincere human being. He's mm -hmm. he that he as a content creator does a fantastic job of being intimate when it works best when talking about games, and I yeah. that's that's something that I really want to capture in my discussion of media because you know while I do obviously video games are my forte um, for school and not for school I've written about movies, written reviews for albums. I've written, like, you know, I, I, I consider myself as much as I am a games writer. I, I try and keep myself grounded in pop culture and just general media and art, too. Yeah. Um, it's all like, kind of interconnected in ways. Right. And, like, I, I go to an art school. Columbia College Chicago is primarily a film school. Um, and, like, you know, I lived with a film student, a music, a music student, a comedy student. And I was the only one who was like, you know, I have to write about the news, must not show emotion, that kind of thing. And Stay meanwhile, you know, my, my roommates, you know, Yin Waster, he's, he's like making these, this awesome music and my other roommate. And then, you know, so I'm, I'm surrounded by creative energy outside of just the game space, which is generally mm -hmm. what my social media's feed is comprised of and what my content consu consumption is comprised of. But then... I'll discuss movies in a critical way with my roommates or I'll talk about um, any kind of art from music to cooking. <laughs> yeah. So When you're planning episodes for the show, is it that you come up with a topic and then find a guest to fit that topic? Or do you be like, hey, I want you on the show, whatever their comfort food is, do you try to be familiar with it? Or is like they could bring something completely out of left field and you're just along for the ride? So generally, I... Um, I try and keep it to things that I'm either either have or I'm able to consume mm -hmm. um, just because I, I the approach that I take to comfort food is that it's the same way that I take when when writing like a traditional news story and interview. It's not mm -hmm. about me. Any interview is not about me. It's about the person mm -hmm. I'm interviewing or the thing that I'm interviewing them about. So. Right. When it's a game or a movie or a book that I haven't seen, I'm going to do my best to acclimate myself with whatever we're talking about. Mm -hmm. Whether it's playing it all the way through or just reading a bunch about it. Um, like, for example, when... Um, so I... It, so, answer, so to answer your question in a short way... It's a bit of both. Sometimes I'll reach out okay. to someone like my friend, uh, my one of my longest best friends, 
uh, Nick, he is a huge Bioshock fan. Okay. And uh, it's like one of his favorite games of all time. And I want and I'm, I played Bioshock to prepare talking with him about it. We haven't recorded the episode yet, but I would absolutely like to have him on the show to talk mm-hmm. about this thing that's important to him. And so there's that element of me reaching out to people. Um, one of my roommates is a huge like Sonic fan. So I'll reach out to him to do like Sonic Adventure 2 or something like that. Yeah. But then on the other side of the scale, um, Zombie Kills, I don't, do you know who, she's a, she's a streamer. She's awesome. A little bit about her. I was listening to a little bit of the episode earlier. Oh yeah. Of Kipo. And, um, she, she, she's great. And I heard her on Spawn on Me's, uh, A Lesson in Blackness, the first A Lesson in Blackness that happened after kind of the, um, situation after, uh, the murder of a few black people by police, uh, kind of exploded. Uh, they spawn on me did a really awesome episode about, um, kind of the state of things, the state of being black in America. And I followed her from that. She followed me back a little bit afterwards and she was like, Hey, I want to be on comfort food. Uh, and I want to talk about Kipo and the Age of Wonderbeast. I had heard about this maybe once from my girlfriend, and she watched, like, maybe one episode. Right. <laughs> so so I knew nothing about this, and she describes it to me as, like, post-apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic hip-hop goodness, and that, you know, that, Ooh. and also it's a cartoon, so I'm like, holy shit, I need to listen to this, or yeah. I need to watch this, rather. And um, so those kinds of things also are the other pillar of it is, you know as much as I'm familiar with my friends and the people I know in real life, I don't want to just have people that I know on there. I want to have a bunch of people from all over the place. Like I, mm-hmm. I, um, I know for a fact this is going to get shot down, but I, uh, <laughs> I sent a DM to Justin Davis at IGN <laughs> okay. to, uh, to ask him if he wants to do, uh, do an episode about super Metroid. And obviously he's going to say no, but you know, it never hurts to Not ask. Not necessarily. But... You don't know that you say obviously, but you don't necessarily know, <laughs> but you're assuming you know, he's going to say no, but who knows? But you know, incorporating, I- including people that, um, you don't normally talk because that was also the first episode that I had ever done with someone who I didn't really know that well in person. Mm. And so that, that idea that, um, I could do it successfully with people that I didn't know and I could be respectful about something that they hold dear, but also Mm. be passionate and be encouraging for them to share what, whatever they think about it. That to me is like the goal of the show. And also, yeah. to obviously, to introduce other people to amazing stuff. And I think uh, what, what I like about it is just everyone who comes to the table is so passionate about the thing they like. Because you're right. Everyone has that comfort food medium. Mm-hmm. It, what, no matter what it is, movie, game, book, the whole nine, like, everyone's got one. And for me, at least, I love hearing people talk passionately about the things they love. Uh, so it's really cool. And then it also, like you said, opens up like, oh, man, like, this person really loves... Uh, Clone Wars, which they should, because mm. Clone Wars is fantastic. Because <laughs> yep. that was Best like that Star was the ep- that was another episode I listened to. <laughs> like these guys love Clone Wars. Like if right. they do, if someone loves Star Wars, hasn't seen it, or doesn't even like Star Wars, like maybe they'll be oh shit, I should check out the Clone Wars because you definitely mm-hmm. should because it's fantastic. Right. So so uh, so I think it's just a really cool way to to introduce people to new ideas, new things that's not on their radar, and then again like share their passion. So mm-hmm. I uh, I highly recommend everyone out there listening to the Comfort Food Podcast. Thank you.
Of course, of course. Well, Charlie, I think we have got to know you quite well, know your journey, know your story, know what you're all about. I've loved it. Uh, I want to get a little bit into the nitty-gritty of the Up and Comer podcast. I know we talked a little bit earlier uh, kind of about how we're ho- we, ho- we both hope to see people, uh, u- or I guess kind of funny specifically, use this opportunity to promote voices who are marginalized, who don't get a lot of uh, uh, screen time or promotion or anything. Mm-hmm. But if you were to get this position... Or, or a position like it, let's say. Uh, what is something you're hoping to get out of the experience? Honestly, I, I, um, oh man, I forget who it was that you had on recently that was talking about how they just want to improve every facet of themselves. Uh, and I, I, th- I think it's been multiple people who said that, but there was someone specifically <laughs> who put it really, really well. And they basically said, well, I've been doing all these different things from Photoshop to podcasting. For so long but mm. I'm not an expert at it and I want to see what the next level of it is um, and for me you know as much as I would I um, you know as much as I'd love to work with everyone at kind of funny because they're all they all seem mm-hmm. like really awesome people on so many levels um, I also want to learn a lot um, and that's that's yeah. kind of been my approach to a lot of the jobs and gigs that I've taken Um is like for the most part with streaming and YouTube content creation, I'm self-taught. Um, yeah. And I would love to learn what it takes and see the ins and outs of improving production value, learning how to stop saying ums and so, and you know, those filler words. And obviously, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can always teach yourself to do that kind of thing, but seeing how people do that and talking to people about their mindsets uh creatively and and production wise it's it's something that i'm that that's really exciting to me and ultimately um that the the entire idea of kind of funny to me is something that's really attractive for a long time i've wanted to do things where it's not just one show but it's a network of shows within a kind of wider uh uh, umbrella of content mm-hmm. and seeing how they do it and learning how to do it and also just doing it with them it sounds super attractive to me so from the learning standpoint there's that um, and ultimately I don't know I, I I just really like meeting people in the games industry um, I you know I mean we're both we're both from the Midwest, right? You, because you're from yep. Michigan, right? Yes, sir, I am. All right, so you, so you know how it is. I mean, um, a lot of the games industry is pretty localized, and to, by that logic, obviously, the kind of funny community to me is under that umbrella uh, in a lot mm. of ways because so many kind of funny best friends are content creators or writers or something like that. Right. Um, the industry is largely localized to the two coasts. Um, or at least in theory it is. And the majority, um, the, the big names are there. Right, exactly. And so being from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, um, aside from interacting online and, you know, through Zoom meetings and podcasts like this, I've done very little, like, actually, like, meeting people. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've never been able, I've never been to PAX. I've never yeah. been to E3. This was actually going to be the year that I was going to go to PAX. Um, oh, damn it. And or E3. I was, I was also going to go to the 500th episode of NVC uh, in San Francisco, and that also got canceled. But 
yeah, so the, the, the being able to just like meet people and talk to people instead of interacting in a 200 char- 280 character or whatever um, interactions at a time to me is also really exciting because mm-hmm. I, I don't know whether whether they're an employee of kind of funny or they're a kind of funny best friend or they're a freelancer who has like one story every month. I just want to meet people who like video games. Like ultimately that's, that's, that's the, that's the thing I, I want to do. And also, I mean, not just video games. I, um, I know that a little bit later in the show, you're going to ask me about some of the content that I'd like to bring to kind of funny. Um, right. and you know, not just video games, not just movies, but also, um, one of the shows that I want to bring in is a show called, I haven't, I haven't thought of a name for it and I'm not sure exactly how sustainable it is, but a show called mm-hmm. kind of foodie. Okay. Um, I like it. Cause I'm, I'm a very food centric person. Um, mm. you know, uh, most of my jobs have been at restaurants. Uh, like my entire, my entire MO is like, I'm a very food driven human being. And I think, uh, it would be really fun to kind of, that's even why comfort food's called comfort food, but it would be really fun to kind of have a show, uh, where like, you know, you almost like a mukbang and you try some, try a restaurant in San Francisco or elsewhere mm. with someone from kind of funny, someone from the industry, almost like a, we have cool friends, but with food. <laughs> I love it. I think that's a great idea. Everyone eats. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? Everyone exactly. eats and everyone I think really has that. That's why like, cooking videos do so damn well oh because God. everyone is fascinated by food. I love cooking videos so much. They're so great. Do, do you, do, could we see a, a cooking video series under your potential new umbrella yes. of content? Yeah. I mean, also when I, when I said new umbrella of content, I, I was, that's like a theoretical thing that I'm interested in. I don't think I could ever pull that off as things are right now, but anyway, anyways, um, in a far, oh, you, meant, you meant my, my content, but yeah, uh, I think so. I mean, I did. I did one very, very cursed stream that I should probably delete because it's it's awful. Um, in like twenty seventeen or something, with my with my phone in my friend Hayden's kitchen, mm-hmm. and I was just like, I don't know what it was um, about that day, but I had a lot of energy, and I was okay. just acting like. I don't know. I was. I was. I was acting like I had had um, a lot of. Uh, caffeine <laughs> um, and so I was just like I was just like bouncing off the walls I was doing all this crazy shit like I put barbecue sauce and mayonnaise on a, on a waffle and microwaved oh. it and it was good which is the most uh, haunting part about that entire thing well, I mean thing. barbecue sauce and mayonnaise is a great combo and, and waffles <laughs> in theory are kind of like a bread <laughs> yeah exactly and it was just like I did a bunch of dumb shit and that's that's the that's the that's that's also like a part of my my food experience that I don't really publicize even though I talk about food pretty frequently is that I um when I'm cooking when I'm doing like a lot of experimenting in the kitchen I experiment mm-hmm. with flavors that aren't always traditionally together and I think that's something that I'd like to maybe like focus on if I were to do cooking content but yeah no I I love cooking um usually I'll like talk to my roommates about what I'm cooking when I'm doing it I don't know why I just do so it probably would be a natural transition yeah exactly like you say you obviously have a passion for it and I think the things that you're most passionate about it's very evident in your content it makes (laughs) the content that much better so I am looking forward to a new series of food videos (laughs) or even just food reviews or food discussions I'm looking forward to the episode of comfort food that's about food Listen, Popeye's chicken sandwich episode is coming soon. 
There we go. See, I knew it was around the corner. So I guess, Charlie, last question I'll, I'll kind of leave with you with, which I'm sure will lead me to more questions because it tends to do. I've realized I say last question and then there's four more questions because of it. But no hold bards, all the time and money in the world you have. Nothing is an obstacle. What is like a large content creation project that you'd want to do? I think I'd like to bring, I mean, comfort food is definitely one of the things that I'd like to bring into the limelight um, more so than I already have. Um, mm -hmm. I'd like to turn it into a an entire thing. Um, I've talked about this on streams before, but maybe having a podcast called Side Dish or whatever, where I talk about news or nice. um, a Patreon specific thing where... I record the conversation that happens after the main podcast is done. Because usually yeah, I'll talk to the show. person afterwards for a long time. I feel you. And so stuff like that is is a pretty big content creation goal. But beyond that, I think um, doing something like um, a Kind of Funny or an IGN or what have you with video, with live stream, with podcast, with writing, that's kind of my goal. Um, okay. And honestly, when people ask me what I want to do for a living, when I tell them like all these things I'm doing, and they're like, how does that translate into a job after school? And I'm like, right. honestly, I just want to write. I just want to talk about video games. I just want to be able to do that and get by. And mm. whenever people ask me the question of like, money's no object, what do you want to do? And I always feel like a dumbass for saying that, but it's like, that, that that's that's what I'm passionate about, man. I, I also think... Um, you know, incorporating different arts and media into the convers into different conversations, whether it's a gaming, but like a no more normal gaming podcast, like a game scoop or a games cast or what have you, <laughs> or it's a comfort food or it's, um, like a mukbang style thing where I'm going out to eat to a new restaurant in town with a friend. It's all, that's, that's the kind of thing that I want to be doing really. Well, Charlie, I think you will be doing that. I think <laughs> you've blown me away. Everything I've heard, it's been fantastic. Like, you have a fire inside you, and I know that sounds cheesy and dumb, but, I mean, you've, you've got it. You're there. You're doing it right now. Um, so I really I can't wait to see in, Thank you. in a year or five or whatever or watching games daily, and I hear Greg try to pronounce your name or whatever <laughs> Jeffy Grub Grub I've, kind I've, of I've been waiting for that. I've been, I'm waiting for someone to, like, sorry, I, I don't mean to interrupt no. you. And I, you're, being, you're being so kind and so sweet to me, but <laughs> I, I, I can't wait for the moment that my name is in a headline or, or not a headline, in a byline or um, somewhere in the news and someone tries to pronounce my name and just watching it happen. Because, I mean, Greg in particular, he, he, he has a lot of problems pronouncing things, but at least he, he's, he's from a part of the country where there's a lot of long German and Polish last names, so maybe, maybe he'll have an advantage. Who knows? Maybe even with that said, though, Grub is not a hard last name, and now we have Jeffy Grub Grub there for, for now and forever. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to your Jeffy Grub Grub moment. <laughs> well charlie it has been fantastic having you on the show it is again like i said you've got it you know what i mean it's it's plain and simple the moves you're making right now you are not standing still as gary Woody would say <laughs> uh but where can people go to find all the stuff you're doing and continue to watch you grow oh man you can you can find me on twitch twitter and instagram at chas underscore mke that's that stands for Chaz milwaukee um, and then you can find me on YouTube at just Chaz, that's C-H-A-S. Uh, my channel is the one 
with the kind of black and red and white logo. Um, and where else can you find me? I think, oh, obviously, you can also find me on DualShockers.com. Uh, I've been a uh, staff writer there for a little bit amount of time, for a pretty short amount of time so far, but uh, I've already done a lot of stuff I'm very proud of. Um, I've got, by the time this is out, I've got at least two reviews up. Right now, I am probably 15 minutes away from sitting down to write the review for Devolver Digital's upcoming game, Carrion, that comes out on the 23rd, which is the same day as the Microsoft Showcase, which I'm sure I'm going to be writing about a lot as a, mm-hmm. as a, as a, as an avid user of the Xbox in, uh, ecosystem. Um, so yeah, you can find my work over there. Uh, obviously, I'll tweet about all that stuff quite a bit, but yeah, and also if you want to hear anything literally anything that i've talked about in this episode you will see me talk about on twitter because that's where i i i don't use twitter the right way i use it as an indiscriminately as a void for my thoughts and takes which (laughs) which is probably going to come back to bite me in the ass at some point but uh everything about my life is probably on twitter so if you want to get to know me that's the best way to look or best first and foremost twitter and then you'll you'll be able to follow the rabbit hole from there right yeah my pin tweet has everything that i do on twitter so Oh, and comfort food. Go. I forgot the... Oh, my God. I almost forgot comfort food. Um, comfort food is, like we said, it's the podcast that I do with literally anyone. If you want to be on it, uh, if you're listening and you want to be on it, Josh, if you want to be on it, literally anyone can ask me to do an episode about just about anything as long as it's not like... <laughs> well, you understand. Um, uh, <laughs> if you want to be on that show, literally just shoot me a DM, hit me up on Twitter, uh, hit me up on Instagram, on Discord, wherever you can find me, and just say, hey, I want to do an episode about this, and I'll try my best to make it happen. Well, and, there you go, everyone. And you can find that uh, on Twitter at comfort under... Un- oh my god, I cannot talk today. You got uh, this. You've been doing a lot of talking, so it's, it's okay. Comfort underscore food pod. Comfort, food, and pod are all capitalized, but there's no spaces. Um, and if you look it up, on Spotify or Google Podcasts or Apple Podcasts, it's probably going to be hard to find. So if I were you, I'd just find it on Twitter or YouTube, which is because I also put all the episodes on my YouTube channel. Okay, awesome. And, and everyone, I will make sure I have uh, links in the description, so it's easy, click, follow. Uh, and again, like he, Charles said, uh, it's everything is on Charlie's Twitter. It's really nice. It's, it's the pen tweet because he's so damn smart. Uh, so you'll be able to find it there. So that'll definitely be the easiest way. Uh, but again, I want to thank Charlie so much for taking the time to come and sit down. Uh, it's been fantastic. Please check you, out Josh. his work. It's really cool. He's doing fantastic stuff. And again, I can't wait to see what happens uh, at the end of the year, let alone five years from now. <laughs> well, thank you uh, but so everyone, much, Josh. Of course, man, of course. Uh, that has been another episode of the Up and Comer podcast. If you or anyone you know is running to be an up and comer, please let me know. Uh, you can hit me up on Twitter at Josh Fiddick. I'll do my best to get you on for an episode so we can share your story. But that is everything I have for you today, folks. So as always, have fun, stay safe, and I will see you next time.